you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. Uh, so I wanted to get a quick thing off the top of the show here. I had someone reach out and say I miss, you know, more of the day-by-day games. We'll get into that. We'll talk about today's game. I still have that second half of that Jason Burke conversation. Things came together quickly with Houston, so I wanted to run that uh, for the show for yesterday. But I was hoping get fan feedback. Do you want the rest of my conversation with Jason Burke? Should I put that this week? Should I just drop the file with an ad break in it over the weekend and give a bonus episode? What do people want? I'm leaving it up to the fans. So let me know. I'm going to do what they want. Either I won't post it at all, I'll post it in the week, or I'll just give a bonus that's, you know, you're not going to have me doing intros or conclusions on it. Uh, You're not going to have me doing anything other than just dropping some ad placement in the middle and putting the conversation up as just a bonus, about 17 and a half minute episode with those ads closer to about 20, kind of like the old format, really, in length. Today's show, we're going to talk some Jose Ramirez. We're going to talk about the game. Uh, and then if we have time, depending on how verbose I get, we're going to check back in with uh, some of the minor leagues. It's been a while since we checked in with Columbus. You know, when we talk with Pat once a week, we get a lot of great information about uh, always reverse these now. He's going to Lake County. Uh, Caleb, I think next week, will join me and my other co-host. And he's stationed in Akron, so we'll get a lot of great information there. I know a lot of people have been asking me about Benson and Palacios for good reason, so Will Benson, I, I don't know what to make of him. Uh, you know, we're getting to his numbers, but Will Benson currently, or currently, at least as of last week, had the highest runs created plus in the entire Indians minor league system. And then you have Richie Palacios, who essentially didn't play for two years, skipped A ball, and is at double A leading the entire Indians minor league organization in on-base percentage. Uh, he's got a chance. Like, you look at the profile for someone like him, and... and Let's not act like Palacios was an afterthought, a day three pick. He was a third round pick. And that's back when the third round was a reset day. So that means the teams are calling all night trying to figure out who they're going to take in the third round. They have extra time to set everything up to get the player they want to figure out bonuses and the like. He was a valued player to the Indians. He was a valued target to the Indians. Yes, I did get it right in my mock. The only pick I got right in my third round mock that year. But more than that, he fit their profile. He had a really great season after he signed, and then he got hurt. And then COVID happened. And then he came back this year. They put him in double-A, and he's been an on-base machine. He has limitations. You know, he's probably a second baseman or a left fielder. Uh, Doesn't really have the arm for anywhere else and doesn't have the power for any other position. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, I know we said we'd get in the game. We talked some Jose Ramirez. But I think that those, uh, you know, it just kind of stands out what he is doing uh, so far in the system. I did want to throw something else out, actually. Uh, the other day I was sitting around thinking, Indians in terms of trade assets, I don't think they're trading any big pieces. They're, but if we were to value their trade assets, to me, there are six major pieces. Shane Bieber is the most valuable due to control and performance. Number two is a little bit of a debate. It's probably still Jose Ramirez, and I'll get into the stats soon on Jose Ramirez to point out just how good Jose Ramirez has been since 2018. Third is Aaron Savali. Now, after those three, there is a drop-off. 
your four, five, and six, I think, are some order of Karen Chalk, Fran Mo Reyes, who we'll also get into today due to his performance uh, this past week, and Zach Plesak. Emmanuel Classe is probably number seven, but that's kind of your, your main setup of guys. And it is that situation where I think if they were to ever trade anyone in that group, it's likely Karen Chalk, just because of the relief value uh, is not quite as high as the other players. Uh, but again, it's going to take something overwhelming. I think John Heyman kind of retreated from some of his Indians are going to be sellers too. They'll listen. What team doesn't listen? That's like the the lamest comment anyone can say. Teams are willing to listen on base. You know, there's no team that, hey, and they hang up. Uh, maybe Anaheim with Mike Trout, just because, you know, he is the greatest baseball player of my lifetime. But for the most part, teams are not hanging up when people call to ask. Everyone's listening on everyone. Even with Mike Trout, there would be a trade offer. It would be too good for Anaheim to pass on. Like Everyone's going to at least listen. So the fact that they're like, well, they're willing to listen, that doesn't mean anything. You could uh, put the same headline like, well, they're they're currently breathing. It's, it's the same thing. It's ridiculous when those things come out. Well, they're willing to listen. Everyone is willing to listen. Uh, frustration. So let's talk about Jose Ramirez. So I was kind of curious. So I was diving into the numbers with him. If I told you since 2018, he is the second best third baseman in all of baseball by Fangraph's war, would you be surprised? I know on the show yesterday when I was with uh, the Houston guys, you were talking, he's top three. And someone's like, well, it's hard to be top three because you got Arenado, you got Bregman. Who am I blanking on? Bregman, Arenado. Uh, I know it's terrible. There's people screaming at me right now uh, among, about the great third baseman in baseball. And I'm just having a you know late night brain fart, as it were. Uh, but he is the, you know, this year, Raphael Devers has been fantastic. Uh, it wasn't Chris Bryant. <laughs> Who could it have been since 2018? Uh, well, I mean, 2018's where I did my research. I'm trying to remember who they thought to include. Oh, Rendon. That was it. It was Rendon. And the thing is, when you look at this, uh, the top three since 2018 in terms of war goes Bregman, 18.3. Jose Ramirez, 17.9. Then Rendon at 16.7. Your fourth one is Matt Chapman at 16 even. Then Manny Machado is tied with Nolan Arenado at fifth for 15.1. Then you got Moncado, Turner, Rafael Devers, and Chris Bryant. Man, Chris Bryant, like, is he a disappointment at this point in his career based on what he was he did in the early going, what he was supposed to be? I don't know. Joey Wendell, by the way, 17th. Uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. Ramirez, too. Like, there's he's, he's top. The top three is pretty well set with Bregman, Ramirez, and Rendon. Now, if I also wanted to jump over and just say, who are the top hitters in baseball in general since 2018 by F-War? Uh, no surprise, Trout won. Though the difference between Trout and Mookie Betts is, you know, a tenth of a point. Uh, now Betts has had 60 more games due to you know Trout hasn't been as healthy this year. He's had a few bruises, you know, nicks up and the like. Now Trout offensively has a 181 runs created plus over that time. That's just that's unbelievable. Uh, boot boots. Nope. Betts has the better defensive value, but Trout offensively, I mean. He's nearly twice as good as the league average. Bregman is third. 
And then Jose Ramirez is fourth. That's right. Jose Ramirez has the fourth most war amongst any hitter in baseball since 2018. You have uh, Bogarts at fifth, Yelich sixth. I was kind of surprised to see Marcus Simeon at seven, just because, you know, he's doing great this year, and he had that one other really fantastic season, but he's closer to average in between that. Uh, then you have Rendon, Chapman, who we talked about, uh, Ronald Acuena at uh, 10, Francisco Lindor is at 11, Freddie Freeman, 12, Trevor Story, who's on the trade block out there at 13, Real Muto at 14, and Manny Machado slash Nolan Arenado at tied for 15th. That is interesting that Lindor was 11th. I also, like I said, uh, Simeon was a surprise. Xander Bogarts is having a heck of a year. That's This year is helping him, but yeah, fourth best performer offensively, or just not, I mean, this is a total thing. You look... Jose Ramirez maybe is could be one could argue the the best base runner in baseball. He brings so much value in just getting first to third, getting an extra base, being smart out there. Uh, it's a real plus plus skill for him. And when you look at Fangraphs like base running metric, he blows everyone else in the ranks out of the water. The other interesting thing is you go through this list and almost everyone has a bat pip over three hundred or it's a higher percentage. Uh, you know, Lindor's at 278, 285 for Bregman, but a lot of players a lot higher. Jose Ramirez is at 257. Uh, so he has the fourth best war over this time. And he's been unlucky, like significantly unlucky. Like his batting average should be about 30 points higher. You know, there was that bad stretch of, was it 2019? And then, the you know, the week ending of 2018, I don't know if that's dragging it down, but just as interesting that, you know, everyone else is above league average, really, uh, expectations, except for, you know, in the top 20, Max Muncy is at 274. Uh, 257 for Ramirez is remarkably low. He could be even more productive, but it doesn't change anything. He is a top five talent in baseball. And when I see people talking about trades for him, and, you know, I think back to the offseason when Braves fans were like, Austin Riley and you know, two B-level prospects. I'm like, no, he's going to get at least two pieces. And, you know, Austin Riley is, you know, I was wrong. He's playing very well now. I was not high on his chances of doing that. Uh, sometimes you're wrong. And in this case, I was wrong about him. But at the time, he was a player who had never had a league average performing season and uh, is still a brutal defender there. Like He's a first baseman playing third. Uh, I was just kind of curious. So this year, Riley's at a 1.5. And, you know, and again, this is not a fast runner with a 343 bat pip. When that comes down, all of a sudden that offensive outlook is going to look a lot different for him, more in line with what he's done in the past few years. Now his slugging is up, so that'll carry him through. But let's just say he's going to go from looking plus to just above average. But yeah, it, it's trades like that. And there's still those trades that people bring up on the internet. And it's it's not necessarily that like, I mean, the Indians likely are not trading Jose Ramirez, let's be honest. But it's more the fact that he just does not get appreciated outside of Cleveland. It's just very clear that it's definitely some outdated thoughts and views on him in general, where people don't get those chances to see him, don't have that exposure and don't understand that he is legitimately one of the best players in all of baseball. So let's take a second here and stop talking about the great value that is Jose Ramirez and talk about the great value that is rockauto.com. 
I know, smooth transition, right? So I've talked about Rock Auto uh, many, many times. You know what they are. They're a website. Well, I mean, they're a company that has a website that allows you to find the parts you need for your car at uh, amazing discount rates. Uh, If you are someone who can order and install the part for your car, this is the place to go. And if you're like me and you're not that person, it's still the place to go because it allows you to make sure that you are getting a good deal on parts for your car. Go to rockauto.com, easy to navigate, easy to find the part or piece you might need for your car. And if it's something simpler like floor mats or filters, they have those too. They have a rebate section so you can find even better deals. Remember when you go to rockauto.com and the how'd you hear about us box, right? Locked on, locked on MLB, locked on Indians with Jeff Ellis. Some form of locked on lets them know that they're advertising money with us over here at the Lockdown Network is well spent. Check out rockauto.com. Do it for yourself rockauto.com and make sure you let them know locked on sent you now earlier when i sent out my tweet about jose ramirez and his value i'm hoping it was a joke tweet where someone's like he's like four for his last 21 he's a bum i'm I'm really hoping it was just someone being a joke tweet but i could also legitimately see that be someone being realistic Uh, for the indians this year jose ramirez of course i would shut the tab i had open when looking for other data uh, let, let's go to the fun world of uh, history, and I'll kind of go back around here. But he leads the um, the offense, the hitters, in war. If, if that's a surprise, I don't know if you've been watching the Indians. But it's such a significant lead that the number two and number three players still don't equal him. And if I added the that Cesar Hernandez has 1.3 and Ahmed Rosario is a 1.1, uh, if I went down and got their seventh highest war player and added him in, uh, that's how you get. So you need two, three, and seven to equal Jose Ramirez this year. By the way, that seventh player, Bobby Bradley, the sixth player is Bradley Zimmer. Uh, and it's interesting because neither of them are bringing great defense metrics by the fan graph system this year. Though, uh, you know, Bradley Zimmer for all of his issues has managed to have a league average runs created plus, which you take. Uh, he's ha- I mean, he's on pace to lead the league in strikeouts, and he had hits for no power at all. His on base is higher than his slugging. He does walk at a decent rate. Uh, his average is not particularly grand. It's just weird to me to look at his line and be like, yeah, that's a league average uh, runs created plus this year. I- I'm not sure exactly how you get there when he's got a... I mean, I guess he's got almost a 700 OPS. Like, he's almost, he's there. For as much as I look for ways to replace him, you'll take it. I mean, league average, slightly above league average, playing center field, all right. Like, he's not been, now, I'd be curious to go over to see Baseball Savant and see what they think he's doing with theirs. I trust their defensive metrics much more than I trust anyone else's. But offensively, you know, I guess for as much as I'm down on Zimmer, and it's still a position that they should probably look to upgrade. He's been passable. I, I, passable is something you'll take if you're a Cleveland Indians fan when it comes to outfield production. Um, I guess they don't have enough data. He runs well, and he's got good exit velocity at max end. That's all we really have for him in terms of percentile ranks. I was kind of curious to see fielding what they have him graded out this year. I mean, they've got him worth uh, three runs. 
you know, uh, outs above average. That's that's a pretty good total. Uh, so he's still a productive defensive outfielder by their metric. Just doesn't have enough reps to have him match up with anyone else. And league average offense, it's... I mean, more and more, you are you look at that and you're like, okay, if he can do that, if Harold Ramirez can do what he has done, at least it's it's better than what they had last year for sure. And it's probably one of the better potential outfield, outfields of the past few years. Uh, once you get some other players healthy, some other players called up, things are coming together. You know, Zimmer, again, it's he walks a lot. You just need him to get back to, he used to have such a big power swing. I mean, he could just absolutely hit the tar out of the ball. Uh, if he could just get back to any degree of that, you know, be a three outcomes player who's a about league average, a slightly above league average in center field, that's, that's a great center fielder. That takes care of the Indians' issues there for years. They just haven't seen that with him. Uh, we also have to talk about, you know, just with today's game today, in the good old who reached base twice, Bobby Bradley with two walks. He's still walking over 10% of the time. That's why he's still finding success. That was not part of his game for the longest time, and that's kind of an impressive addition for him uh, so far this year. I'll be very curious to see if he can keep it up. Uh, the average is plummeting, I know. And if you are someone who sticks to the old school numbers, yeah, the, uh, was it the 228 average is... A little bit frightening, but he's always going to probably be... I mean, he's a player that I think 240 is probably the high watermark. If everything works out for him, you're hoping that he would be about a 240 hitter. So what he's doing, as long as the power... I mean, the power is not going to stay as high as it has been. But if he can be a potential 25 uh, home run guy, then you've got your first baseman for the next few years. I will say, you know, now that I've pulled up the baseball reference, it is interesting that Jose Ramirez is, does not have a lot of deep reds anymore. He's, I understand that, like, yes, he's not having his strongest year compared to a few other years. I mean, he's still got a lot of light reds. He's still a guy who everything is pushing forward. Uh, if I went and I just did, like, league leaders in a war, just in general. So he's at a 2-9 now. That puts him in the, he's tied with Mookie Betts and Yohan Mankata at 22nd best. So yeah, he's not his typical like top five. It is a little bit of a down year for him, but it's still high level production. I mean, I have to laugh because it's like yeah, his down year is still top 25 uh, producing players in all of baseball. Most shocking names I know on this list. Brandon Crawford of the Giants at 15. I, I knew the Giants are playing well, but I didn't realize Brandon Crawford at 15. Uh, he's at a 3.3. I'm like, has he ever had that for an entire season? Uh, congratulations to him. I did, just did not expect to see him there. For all the talk about like Cedric Mullins and uh, Brian Reynolds' trade targets, Brian Reynolds is 17th. Cedric Mullins is 8th. Now part of that is just defensive value. Mullins is better in center than Reynolds, but interesting to see. I think the most shocking name, if we went back to before the season began, would be Cedric Mullins sitting there at eight. But Jose Ramirez is still fine. The The player who is getting the dark red and stands out the most, though, is Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, 16th home run tonight in the loss. We will get to the game. He has come back 
after all that missed time and you think there'd be some rust there hasn't I mean he is just hitting the ball hard he's making a solid contact his 16 home runs are second on the team even though he's got oh he's got nearly 50 percent less games or yeah no I guess maybe closer to about 30 percent Less games played in due to his injury than the other players on the team. Cesar Hernandez is third. First is uh, Jose Ramirez. Average exit velocity for Fran Reyes is 98%. His average exit velocity is amongst the top 2%. His barrel percentage, 99th. And he is barreling. He is just... And if you don't know barrel percentage, it's just when you're hitting it on the good part of the bat. When you are making the good contact. He's making good contact as well as anyone. Now, yeah, he doesn't run. His sprint speed score is low. His chase rate is low. His walk is low. His strikeout and width are very low. But he's his hard hit percentage, his barreling, he's doing the things that would allow him over the course of a full season to approach 40 home runs. Uh, it's been a joy to watch. You know, we talked about on the show that with Pat, like, should he be an extension candidate? Probably. I mean, this is his age 26 year. I think we t- sometimes forget. It's like Framo Reyes is only 26. Yeah, he's been with this team. What they wasn't he? You know, it all starts to together. 2019 acquired, and he had already played with uh, San Diego the year before. But he was up at age 22. Uh, he actually was 25 to start the year. He turned 26 uh, July 7th, so rather recently. He's going to be. He won't be a free agent until after the 2024 season. So right now you have him, you know, for this year, 22, 23, 24. So you got three more years of control. He starts arbitration, I believe, this season, uh, at the end of this season. So he's never made much. He was never, I don't believe he was a big name signing bonus type of guy. He's made league minimum for the majority of his career. Age 26, you have him through age 29. If you can get a contract to get him locked up through like age 32, 33, you go for it. If you can get three more years and space out that money, and he's the player who might accept that money because there's never been the big payday. That just hasn't occurred for him. So it makes Reyes an interesting candidate for sure. Uh, He is killing the ball right now for the Indians. Uh, Big man. Big bat. He's done, been everything. I, like, is there anyone out there who's legitimately disappointed in Fran Mill Reyes outside of the fact that he got hurt? Let me know. We're going to come back and talk about the game after our second sponsor break. So let's talk about the Spotify Green Room. I'm on there Saturday nights. That's typically when I do my Spotify Green Room spot. Uh, often, you know, it's me and one or two other people. Sometimes I just end up having a conversation with one person talking about baseball. Uh, it's just a fun experience. It's something to do. Now I am running on Android, which means I can't see the chat if you jump in, but I just, I sit there, I say on Twitter that I'm going to be on. And if you just want to talk about baseball, I can open up and, uh, we can just essentially have like the equivalent of a chat room with real chat. Everyone just talks. You can just sit there and, and have a audio chat room. Uh, eventually we can also have that like old school chat part of it. But yeah, it's a fun thing to do. It's a really cool idea. And everyone over at the network just loves it. So go check out Green Room. That used to be Locker Room for yourself. Uh, The upgrades have definitely been nice to the app, I will say. 
now part of the Spotify family. That is, again, Green Room. And go check that out and then join me Saturday nights when I sit down and talk. I know some people are draft out. So, yeah, I had been talking draft. I'll be talking Indians. I'm sure as we get close, I'll be talking some deadline stuff. But join me over on the Green Room app. So I've got like five minutes to talk about this game. And we've kind of talked about it in parts already. So let's just dive into the nitty-gritty. Indians lose 4-3. to three. A game, you know, stick with me. They shouldn't have lost. JC Mejia is now 1-5. Zach Granke, 9-3. Uh, Priestley picks up his 17th save. Now we do the whole thing where I combine, like, ways you get on base. So the Indians had 8 hits and 5 walks. The walk numbers are going upwards compared to 9 hits and 2 walks. So when you look at it that way, that's an 11 versus 13 potential base runners. Uh, one hit by a pitch to the other side, so that takes you up to uh, 12. So it was close in terms of base runners. Uh, the Indians actually had a base runner advantage in this one. Uh, but Houston wins. Now, we'll get into the you know what I really kind of put out on this one, but let's talk about some of the other things we talked about typically. Ahmed Rosario, three hits. Fran Mo Reyes, two hits. Two walks by Bobby Bradley. Two walks by Roberto Perez. That is your players, four of them for the Indians. Four of their nine reach base twice in this one. Which when you see that, you kind of expect more than three runs. Uh, the problem is that in between them were a lot of players who, you know, the, there was also nine strikeouts for Indians, but there were 11 for Houston. And they just couldn't put things together at the right time. Uh, it, three stars in this one for me, Fran Mill, Ahmed, and then I'm tempted to go with someone from the bullpen like Blake Parker, who pitched, came into a bit of a jam, also pitched one and two-thirds innings. Also, in spite of me, again, I didn't think he had anything left in the tank, but Parker's pitched well for him this year, so I should give him some credit. So we'll make him the third star for the Indians in this one. Uh, you know, Whitgren and Trevor Steffen, every time he looks a little better. We, at some point, need to probably sit back and just appreciate what he has been this year like he is legitimately on his way to being the greatest rule five selection in indians history remember it's not a high bar to clear you just got to be an average regular a few times like do it twice and that's probably enough uh i was kind of curious now over on baseball savant it's not as great for him but it is interesting that he's got good spin and velocity on his fastball those are both in the red as our k percentage and whiff but he does get hit hard, and guys don't chase. And he's got a changeup. He's thrown almost not at all, so he's all fastball slider. Uh, but I, I mean, I think is there anyone out there who thinks he doesn't deserve a spot in the pen anymore? That would be shocking to me. He's just he's been steady and useful in that long role, and he's gotten better as the year has gone on. So I don't think that's a thing. But now let's talk about the game itself. So why did the Indians lose? JC Mejia is a player who has had his ups and downs. He got pressed into service this year. But knowing his limitations is incredibly important. You're facing a very good Houston team. Letting Mejia, who you know, in the fourth gave up a run, come out for the fifth was not the right call. Uh, based on where he was, a third time through the lineup... You were asking for trouble. You know, he ended up getting 98 pitches. His pitch count was already relatively high. But if you did not watch the game, so in the fifth inning, 
just to kind of let you know, Brantley leads off with a single, then a strikeout, then a home run, then a walk, uh, and then he's taken out of the game. You can't let him go back against the heart of that order. Like, that is that is setting yourself up for what happened, which all of a sudden it went from a 2-1 to one game to a 4-1 to one game. The Indians do get two runs back in this one. So, you know, it it's, ends up being four, you know, a 3-4 loss. But if the home run doesn't happen, if you go to your pen a little bit earlier because you have Mejia, you just called up, who has been incredibly inconsistent and you don't want to put him through the heart of the Astros lineup, this could have been a win. This might have been a 3-2 win. It might have been a loss. But it's, you know, there's a bad tendency at points to be like, oh, it, but, it, you know, sometimes some the tendency is, oh, they're cruising. But he was not a player that was cruising. <laughs> you know, you go back to the fourth inning, uh, strikeout single, ground out single to Martin Maldonado, who is not an offensive force. Uh, then he gets Jose Altuve out to break a 1-1 tie at that point. So, yeah, he did have a stretch in the first where it's like he got the last two outs by a strikeout after getting up a run. Then he struck out the side in the second. Uh, the third was a base runner. The fourth was not clean. And then the fifth was, I mean, that's kind of where it happened. The Indians, uh, the four runs, the Indians were not able to overcome that. And they end up dropping this, uh, opener of the series. It's just unfortunate. Uh, it's really one they had an opportunity to, to win to keep their streak of success going. And again, you just have to know what you have. Mejia is a, he's limited. And he's a guy who's not really faced high level competition, even remotely into this year. And so far this year, you know, it's, he's been worth negative 0.5 war. He's got a 7.42 ERA. I'm pretty sure none of that counts the game today, which is arguably one of his best. I don't think he's had one quality start Trying to push him out there in the fifth is just setting yourself for exactly what happened, unfortunately. He's got some potential. He's shown some things at times. We'll see if he can continue to develop, but he's he is not a player who would be starting under normal conditions. Uh, if they didn't have, you know, two-fifths of the rotation hurt and their sixth starter, I, don't, I should go see if Scott Moss has even thrown a pitch yet. But, I mean, when he goes down to Columbus, Mejia hasn't been much better down there. And this is a player who had never pitched above high A before this year. And you just want to – you don't want to keep leaving him out there. You don't want to put him in a situation where he is not going to find success. Scott Moss has finally pitched this year uh, 14 innings in over six games. All starts. So he must be going very short into those games. They are not pushing him. Uh, Performance hasn't been great either, but – yeah, it's just, you know, six starts, so it's not super recently for him, but he was supposed to be the next guy up, and they have not had that for him so far. We'll get into more of those minor league players. We'll get into some of the guys in double and triple A later on this week, maybe next week, but that's about it for today. Takeaway, Fran Mill was great. Ahmed Rosario continues to hit. Bobby Bradley continues to walk. The pen was really steady. You have to recognize strengths and weaknesses of your team. And facing a good lineup, I know the Astros have had some struggles late, but that's still a very good lineup. Don't leave in a 
pitcher who's only up because you don't have another option. Like, that's the honest to goodness truth. I mean, he is here right now because they have no other options. Uh, if they did, he wouldn't be the one there. When they, it's him or Henches. Those are the two guys who are kind of the the last men up. And once players get healthy, whoever's the next player who gets healthy, that spot that's been going to those two is gone. I think at this point in time, Morgan and Quantrell have done enough to kind of earn themselves some extra run. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, we'll see how it goes this week. Uh, he has his own sets of ups and downs, but I think he's got a better opportunity than you know to help the team than what we've seen with Mejia or Henches. So we'll see. You've got kind of the three there from that grouping with McKenzie, Morgan, Quantrell. And you've got the three you're hoping to get healthy. You've got the one guy who hasn't pitched very much in Moss. And those should really be the seven arms we see at any point this year when the Indians need another starter. But hopefully they'll just get healthy and we won't have to go super deep again at any point this year. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. We broke the top 100 baseball podcasts last week, and it was the first time in a long time for that. I know it was mostly thanks to the draft, but still, uh, it's very helpful, and I want to thank everyone for that. Uh, and remember, for the next year, maybe two, go, ter- go Tribe. <laughs>